All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Take Time Out with Trey Mosley, and I am Trey Mosley. Today, I have Mr. Bill Hornack. So, Bill and I go a ways back. Uh, he has used my voice on a few of his projects. Um, you know, he's a filmmaker, TV producer. Uh, as you can tell by the hardware in the back, uh, your boy getting Emmys, you know. I mean, what can you say about the guy? Um, his company, Minds Eye, they, uh, you know, it's not much that uh, his lens doesn't pick up. But don't take my word for it. Check out this clip. back because i was i was sitting here getting getting my groove on uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen mr bill hornick thank you sir Peace. For coming on through the show man uh i am so glad that we get to sit down and and chat you know usually when we're talking it's it's about business i guess it still is about business but now it's in a more relaxed atmosphere where you know you can be you and i can be me and you know i see you 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 rocking the miami heat you know, making me homesick. That's why I knew I had to I had to represent Miami as well. Uh and and now I, I feel better. So with that being said, um how does one get into filmmaking? Or more spe- specifically, how did you decide that this was the career path that you wanted to embark on? Huh. I think yeah, I think I didn't choose it. It definitely chose me. And uh Thanks for having me, Trey. I love speaking about myself. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, but yeah, I th- I, the visual arts. I think the visual arts have always been part of my DNA. I think my dad actually was a pretty um, dedicated hobbyist back in the '60s when uh, you know he was coming up. So I think he was into Super 8 film, family films, and photography and there was always cameras around. And when I got into high school, I started diving into it more. And then I played basketball and I was recruited by a division three school in Rochester, New York. And they happened to be a world renowned school of photography that's called uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. So I went to RIT, got a bachelor of science. I moved from still into the moving visual um, field and I, we did 
short films in college. We did video, multi-camera shows. So I learned all the things that I would need eventually as a producer um, very early on. And I've been doing it for multiple decades now. And uh, my life, personal life and my business life are all combined. So I kind of always think in terms of my profession and my family has evolved with my profession. All my kids are into it um, in some way. My wife is along for the ride and she's been a <laughs> great support, just like your wife, where the trials and tribulations of carving out a career as an independent um, right. artist is, it's not for the fainted heart, that's for sure. No, it's not. Uh, I always preach that, you know, a lot of folks, they, they see the, the after, but they don't know the before. And there's a lot of stories in that before. <clears throat> that has brought us to to the after. Um, so were you you said it, it found you instead of, of you finding it uh, and, and your dad, you know, he had the, the Super 8 going back in the day. Were you a a curious child? Like if you did he ever say, hey, take the camera and you just kind of started filming stuff or uh, it, it later blossomed uh, in, in life for you? I think it, he, his stuff was always around. So he had like, you know, Minolta camera bags with bodies and lenses. Um, I didn't really get to experience his eight millimeter stuff, but we watched those films. He's got mm -hmm. films of me. You know, I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. But I, you. yeah, my parents were only here for a short time and then they moved back to Long Island where I was raised. Um, but I have home movies of myself as an infant, two year old running around, you know, the pier <laughs> in St. Pete and a little house in St. Pete. So it's just always, it's been around. So I think it just kind of organically infused in my soul. To now, moving forward to now build, build the dad himself, you know, our, our cameras and, and technology is a little bit more high tech than, you know, what, what our dads had back in the day. Um, what are your home movies like with your kids? Crazy. I have everything. <laughs> my, my daughter is 23 now. She's in the PR and um, social media space. So she, we have everything from, I had whatever the latest camera was uh, back when she was born in 1999. I have footage of her on that. And I have the latest little like flip camera, which was, <laughs> kind of like an, an MPEG camera that you held vertically. Yeah. And, and you shot it and it, it was just always with us. So I have her, I got my middle son, Max, got everything of his life. I have my youngest who's now 18 and a, he's on the video production staff at FAU as a freshman because he, yeah. he knows so much about camera work. I have everything about his life. So I have an intent one day to make the story of our family as a docuseries. For myself, not for public consumption. Still, that's that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's dope. That <clears throat> you know the the family has uh, embarked on this journey with you. I, you know, because sometimes we, as creatives, we have a passion about something, and it's hard for other people to see the picture the way we see it. And we get excited about it. Thinking, hey, you know, this happened or this happened. And, you know, sometimes for families, like, 
yay. I mean, you know, good for you, but you're kind of like, but so I think it's cool that everybody is, is on board. Um, I got a perfect example to just kind of, to, it's kind of a, it's why they're on board, I think is more, uh, this is a reason why, because they get to do cool things because of my profession. And then they like that. So I uh, had the Miami Dolphins as clients for a long time. Don't have them as clients anymore. But we used to do the annual swimsuit calendar special that would air regionally. And one year they say, hey, we're shooting in Atlantis in the Bahamas. Um, we want you and a crew to come and, and do the behind the scenes making of the calendar. I'm like, great. But my kids are young. My wife is stressed out whenever I'm out of town. I'm like, if you could find a, a room big enough for my wife and my kids, then we got a deal. And they agreed. So wow. my wife and, and two kids, they were about three and four years old. They jumped on an Air Jamaica flight out of Lauderdale. <laughs> on their own, met me there, and they had the suite with me for the full week, and they had a blast. I had a blast, and we've had experiences like that together on countless projects, not only in sports, but corporate work that I do, you know, to pay Mm -hmm. the bills between the bigger projects. So, uh, and it's kind of, you know, they realize that our industry um, drops you into experiences that not every industry or profession um, does for a person or their family. Very true. Perks of the job, I always say. That's it. Um, So what would you say, uh, being that you've done corporate work, sports work, I know you also do stuff with brands, five guys, and a couple of other um, corporate entities. Like if, if I said, hey, I got a blank check, go produce this, what would it be? Hmm. I think from from this point forward, the last couple of years, I've been focusing on a career turn, if you will. And the turn is from uh, a lot of live sports, which I've done. I've, I've been a field producer for the NBA for close to a quarter century, 25 years. Um, I kind of aged out of doing that because the rates for field producers down in Miami for the NBA kind of stalled at a certain level. So I decided, you know, my next career challenge is I want to do stories that I'm passionate about that are kind of scripted. There could be nonfiction work in my future, but I really want to focus on the more challenging aspect of narrative storytelling. So a few years ago, I wrote a script with a couple of friends. Um, it's a really good script. It's gotten great feedback. So I would take that blank check and hope it would be a brand that would somehow um, integrate nicely into this narrative story, which would be my first feature length narrative. Um, it's a coming of age film uh, about a young man that drops into a world that he never even knew existed and through good fortune hard work and a really supportive um, kind of adopted family, his life changes. So that brand could be like Nike would be perfect for a story like this. Could be, you know, a clothing brand. It could be, you name it, so many brands. And I wouldn't need that much money from them. Maybe a (laughs) quarter mil, 
Uh, I mean, you know, since we're asking, not that <laughs> much. I got you. Yeah. Um, and that's why I brought that up, because I, I knew this particular story, um, you know, meant a lot to you. And, and uh, I was honored to 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 get a chance to to read the uh, the script as well. And I, I think it would be a great, great story. So any of you angel investors who are watching, I'm just saying, give the guy a shot. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, it's it's taken a while. I probably had maybe twenty drafts of the script, and I mm-hmm. think it's a lot stronger from maybe when you read it a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're things are happening. I got a really good director out of Maryland, a young man. His name is Jimmy Jenkins. Jimmy's got a couple of big docs coming out. One on Alabama football. Um, he has a couple of narratives that he's done independently that were really good. Mm-hmm. And kind of always in my career, I've mentored a lot of younger professionals and I've always spotted the ones that had it, the it factor. And like you, you had the it factor when I first came across you. Jimmy is in that same ilk and then some other producers that are working behind the scenes with me have really opened up some opportunities that within the next six months, you're going to be hearing a lot about what we're doing on this project. Cool. Um, how important is mentoring, uh, especially in an industry like this, where you have a lot of young filmmakers, a lot of young composers, uh, folks that want to get into producing and they may not always have the means. I mean, they've gone to school for it, but then the real world hits and they got to crack the pavement and start out as that intern and, and they want to be a PA and move up. How important is, is mentoring in this industry? And and um, I guess my question for you is, how are you as a mentor to, to others? Um, what do you get out of it? Yeah, I mean, without mentors, we'd all be anybody that's accomplished a portion of their own goals whether they be personal or professional, you don't do it without the help of a mentor uh, or mentees. Um, it's always been super important to me. One of my biggest mentors was my college um, manager. I worked for the catering department at RIT. I earned probably 15 to 20 hours a week worth of work study, and I was dropped into the catering department. And my I was a, I became a student manager, but my direct manager, I'm still friends with to this day. His name is Gary Gasper. He's from Henrietta, New York. And Gary was only like 10 years older than us. So we were all 19. So he was 29. And he taught us so much about professional responsibility and courtesy and politeness and finishing a task. And I applied that to everything I've done in my television and filmmaking career. And I think I've shared those same principles with all of the people that I've mentored. And I started mentoring probably in the, I'd say late nineties when I came to Florida. Mm-hmm. I, one, of, one of my first mentees, his name is Mickey Attilis. And Mickey is now the senior cameraman for the Miami Heat. Every, wow. ga- yeah, every game that the Heat have at home, Mick is the guy holding the camera that goes out onto the court. He sits under the basket. He's been there for every championship that the Heat have had. Nice. Mickey, yeah, he came to us and said, 
I'm just doing gripping now, but how could I do what you guys do? And the first company I moved down to Florida to work with, they were called Five Star. We hired Mickey full time and he started as a PA. And now he, gosh, he's an accomplished pro. And I have so many examples like Mickey uh, over the years that I've kind of just taken under my wing. Always paid them something. I never asked people to intern for free. Um, Always gave them some money and then turned it into freelance money. And then they turn those experiences into really good careers. Right. I, have a young lady, I have a young lady, Amy Casey, that now works on every Marvel project out of Atlanta that there is. Um, another person, Chris Shane, he works for Warner Brothers, does all of the social media editing for so many of their networks promos. So people like that, or it makes me feel good. But I even learn a lot from them on the journey together. So mentoring is huge. and. Uh, I think uh, I wouldn't be as passionate about what I do if I didn't have people to pass on um, what I'm learning to them and then learn from them um, as well. I think it's important. Um, And also it keeps your industry thriving, growing because the, the next crop comes in and then hopefully they impart something on the next crop and, those seeds continue to to be planted and, and to continue to sow, you know, especially like in, in voiceover. You know, when I got into this back in 2009, I didn't know anybody. And I was pretty much <laughs> on the seat of my pants like, OK, that sounds like a cool gig or that looks like a, that looks like a nice microphone. And I didn't know anything. And as I got into it later on down the line and started to meet people who had been doing this 15, 20, 30 years and kind of pulling their ear like, hey, can you show me how this works? And and why is it important to have that? So I, I definitely understand that. And now uh, for me, entering into not quite 20 years, but 15-ish, yeah. um, I have a lot of young folk and not even young folk, just people, period, who come to me and say, hey, I've been following your career. You know, I, I'm kind of stuck on this thing. What should I do? Or how do you get your sound that way? Um, you know, one of my mentors, uh, a guy named Joe Cipriano, um, his voice. <laughs> what hasn't Joe done? Um, Shout out, Joe. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Joe Cipriano, a, he's a he's a cool dude. Um, you know, he always told me, and and one of the things that we like to say in in the VO industry is make sure that you pay it forward. Um, and that's paying it forward with your time, paying it forward with with resources, um, and sometimes just paying it forward with your presence, just being there. Because I re- I can recall times where, um. I was ready to pack up my gear and go to the pawn shop and just like, here, just take it all. I'm done. But when you have folks like him, uh, Dave Fenoy, uh, so many legends in this game um, that treat you like a person and not because you're here and they're there. I think it's... um, I don't know. I think it's just really cool for people to just be nice nowadays. <laughs> that's that's hard to even find. Um, 
and in a, in a creative circle, it's competitive. Yes. But there's still people that will say, you know what? You're on the right path. But if you tweak this or if you do this thing, I think it'll make your ride a little bit smoother. Um, so I am um, I'm a big proponent of, of, of mentors and, and different types of collaborations and, and stuff like that as well. So being a producer and filmmaker, uh, you know, our paths cross uh, quite a bit. Um, what is it about folks that are in the creative arts, be it music, um, filmmaking, voiceover? Why do we love gear so much? <laughs> And get a whole bunch of it and maybe not even use a third of it, but it's just it's there to have. What is that about? I don't know. Uh, uh, one podcast I listen to, um, Alex Ferrari, it's a indie filmmakers podcast It's called Indie Film Hustle. He calls it the beautiful sickness um, <laughs> <laughs> when it when it relates to filmmaking, uh, being an independent filmmaker. But I also think being a content creator and a creative in our spaces, yours and mine and the mm-hmm. various other ones. Yeah, you're, sometimes you're a gear person, other times you're not. And I happen to always, I didn't want to be intimidated by the gear, but I do hire a lot of DPs that have all their own gear and lighting directors and you name it, digital imaging technicians. But I always wanted to explore that stuff too. So I found it easy to buy it so that in a pinch, I could do it if we had a budget that was too small or a crew member didn't show up. And I think that's, there are creative types that want to understand everyone's role so that you can make whatever the end product is or the end story is kind of better because you know how people are supposed to function in the role of that piece of equipment. So I don't know, it's either you're a gear person or you're not. I happen to be a gear lover, but I also am not foolish to think that I would try and do everything myself. So I'd rather surround myself with great people that know their tool set and I have an understanding of their tool set. And I think that's a good combo to to get to your end result. And uh, yeah, so I'm sorry that you're infused with the beautiful sickness. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have been, in, I have been infected. Um, you know, my friends, we we talk about the one piece of gear uh, and we call it the she'll understand gear. And that's when you bought something and your wife is like, that costs what? Uh, what's what's your she'll understand gear that you currently own? Uh, it's it's either my um, we have a Sony camera it's still, you know, it was a probably a $10,000 camera when I bought it. But all the accessories for it when I want a better lens. Now it's three grand for a lens. If I want the iMac, the latest and greatest to edit with. So, but I have, you know, my business credit card. So sometimes she doesn't even know that I throw something on there. <laughs> well, I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> as, as long as I, as long as I pay it off, she's, hey, she's it, and I pay, and I pay the mortgage and I help with all the other expenses. There you go. And it, and it always comes back. So it's, it's, it's all good. Um, technology is also a very, um, important component, um, in what we do. How has technology changed from 
way back in the 80s and 90s to how things are now, um, do you find that a lot of the processes are still the same, just maybe a little bit more streamlined or, you know, how, how technical from then to now, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, technology when it comes to, to filmmaking and producing? Yeah, I think image and sound acquisition, the tools make it easier, but the process still needs to be fundamentally the same. So let's just say that you're, you know, you're shooting with your iPhone now and you're doing a stand up with somebody that's hosting something. You need to know, you know, that your mic placement, the type of mic you use, whether you're using the iPhone's mic or you've got an accessory outboard mic. You need to know that you, you got to do it in an environment where the sound is kind of dead. And if you're going to do it on a street corner, you have to wait for those moments where there's not passing traffic. And then when you get that file home back to your office, you're either going to be pulling your hair out, working with sound filters in Adobe Audition or Pro Tools or whatever other software you use to try and minimize that extraneous sound. So if you do it right, the in the first place, back to the gear that was, you know, back when I started, it was, we had double system. So we had a, a Nagra recorder, which was a sound recorder that had physical spools of tape. And you recorded to that and you so use your clapboard and you sync it up with either your video footage or your film footage. Um, you don't have to do that now. So that's easier. But the principles of how you gather that sound are still the same. And I think that applies to cameras as well. So the techniques, lighting, um, spatial awareness, all that stuff still is how the cream rises to the top when it comes to content creators. And I follow so many on vloggers on YouTube or podcasters, and I always take note of who's doing it exceptionally well. So um, I think that if anything, all the kids that I get to work with nowadays, the colleges Many of the colleges are cheating them out of really teaching them the fundamentals and they're skipping a lot of steps. And I don't appreciate that because that doesn't set them up for success. And when they come out of colleges, they don't know the basics of oh, wow. fil filmmaking unless they went to maybe, you know, one of the top 10 filmmaking schools in the country. But even the school where my, where my son goes to, um, they don't, they have a degree in film and television production, but they don't do enough, in my opinion, um, to teach the, the students what they need to know to be successful. It sounds like you need to get on the board, man, and, and go and pound the gavel and say, hey, if you're going to throw these kids out here, at least have them prepared. <clears throat> Excuse me, have them prepared before they get tossed into the wild like that. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's a shame, but I do do, you know, when I see those kids, I teach them what they need to know. And uh, I, I enjoy that. But yeah, this for the amount of that schools are charging nowadays, the, these kids need to know every step of the production and audio pro production process. And they're not getting it at many of the uh, institutions that are out there. Now, I remember I was looking on your Instagram maybe a week or so ago. Um, there were some things going on down in, in, in Broward County that I know you were 
involved in. Uh, tell us a little bit about what was going on and, and, and your involvement with that. Good question. I don't know. What was it? Was it Trump's indictment or was it something? <laughs> no, I, I, it was it was it was I know it had something to do with. Um, I did oh. cover that, though. So I, I didn't know if that was. Uh, oh, well, I, yeah, I string for some of the new the news networks, too. So I happened to be at the Trump indictment in Miami. Um, but what what was was it sports related? I don't know what we're talking about. I'm trying to re- recall now. See, this is what happens when you're old and you drink. Okay, wait. Uh, let me uh, hold on. Let me put, call up my IG and see what I did. I don't even remember. Um, sorry. Welcome to live streaming, folks. Where oh, this is what happens NBA. when you have an unscripted show. You get all type of stuff. NBA basketball. We did. We did a corporate gig. Um, I don't know, Trey. I don't exactly know what we're talking about. I, I, I just finished a documentary on this school that went out of business. At, oh, the Fort Lauderdale Film Festival. Ding. Film Commission. That's what it was. Sorry. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Let's uh, shout out to um, Fliff. And we're in the, I think, in the tail end of the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival is happening right now as we speak. Um, we went to the premiere party, which was at the Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida. Um, that was such a blast. And I saw an amazing film called um, The Good Half. The Good Half was um, directed by Jonathan Schwartzman, who is Talia Shire's son. Talia Shire wow. from Rocky. Yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan and Jason are her two sons. She married a producer. His last name was Schwartzman. And they had uh, two boys or filmmakers. So his film premiered. Um, Joe Jonas was the lead. And it's a really heartwarming um, drama about a young man that loses his mom too early in life and all of the implications of that with his family. Um, and that opened the festival last Friday night. And it, it was going on all week. I didn't get to go to any other screenings, but the Broward Film Commission announced last week that they have probably the most robust film incentive program here in Florida. And Florida basically gave up their incentive programs maybe a decade ago. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of because at one Georgia point, started, Florida, yeah, Georgia, yeah. Georgia started popping mm-hmm. because Florida gave them up. And all this work that we used to get in Florida went away. Yeah, I know a, a lot of um, <clears throat> of my buddies who do the same thing you do in Florida. Uh, that's one of the the biggest gripes that they have is that you know those those filming opportunities and, and credits and stuff that you all used to get went poof, and now Georgia is now basically a Hollywood East. Uh, yep. you know, if it's not being shot there, then they're going further up north to, you know, Toronto or Vancouver, uh, and in Canada, um, has that affected your business? Um, I'm sure it has, but has it been a significant effect or, um, with the tax incentives and, and just work period as a, a filmmaker in Florida, uh, how has that affected you uh, in, in the past, like you said, decade or so? 
Yeah, well, I think because I'm finally making that career turn into scripted and narrative entertainment, it will have a, a major impact on where we choose to do future work. Um, previous work, all of the lighting and grip companies and the professionals that I know that work on high-end commercials, indie features, the occasional big you know, Hollywood feature that comes to town, it happens so sporadically they can't consider themselves full-time in that space if they live here in Florida because the work just doesn't come enough. So a lot of them journey with the projects to other states um, mm -hmm. like South Carolina, like Georgia, like Louisiana. So I, I think, you know, since uh, Bloodline, I think, was the last big series that happened down in the Keys. And that was probably 12, 13 years ago. Since then, Florida has only been for the occasional couple of days of scenics that a, a, a project, a scripted project needs. Maybe there's been a few streaming series that have mm -hmm. based their work here. So uh, many of these people that I know moved away and Broward County and some counties up in around Tampa have finally taken it on their own to offer incentives that don't have anything to do with the state of Florida. And um, so, for instance, if my next project is north of two million, Broward County, if we do most of that work in Broward, which is only 20 minutes south of where I live, um, we can hit a threshold of 20 percent cash rebate. So wow. on every million, yeah, every million dollars you spend, you could potentially get 200,000 back as a check after you've filled out all the proper forms and the uh, Broward Film Commission and the committees approve the project. So you could offer that to investors as a way to hedge on their investment. So that's what we're working towards um, with m my first project, which will be um, if I have it my way, shot here in South Florida. I'm not, there's many reasons to go to other places, but I really want to do it here in my own community. And I think that's that's important. Um, one, you're giving jobs to people right there in your hometown. Um, and, you know, the, the money comes back. And I, I think uh, community is very important. And uh I think that's commendable that you could have gone anywhere else, but you said, you know what? No, this, this one, we're going to keep this one home. Uh, so, so props to you on that. Um, so now then uh, my favorite part of the show, um, hence the name of the show, taking time out. Um, when the mics are off, the lights are down. And you get that. I don't know if they still use clappers, but they probably have something digital now. But when you've wrapped and you got maybe a week or a couple of weeks to yourself, how does Bill Horneck take time out for himself? Hmm. That's a good question. I think uh, my wife and I go to the beach when we can. Boynton Beach is one of the coolest beaches. It's literally five minutes away. So we love to spend an afternoon on the beach. Uh, we're voracious consumers of film and streamed content. So we love nothing better than kicking back on a Sunday and watching movies or series on any of the, the networks. Um, I love golf. I do love golf. So 
try for once a week, maybe twice a month to get out on the links. I love golf. It's such a humbling sport, but the environment that you do it in, it doesn't get any better. It's so beautiful and quiet and it's just you against this little round object that you have to put into a, a, a goal that's hundreds of yards away. It's an amazing sport that I love as a hobby. And then just hanging with friends. I have so many friends. I have friends from when I was eight years old to this day. I still have those friends. And I have all the friends I've met through my career and through my wife's circle of friends. And I just like hanging out and having fun and um, thinking about what my next project's going to be. Because I always, I probably work more than I just hang out. But I love um, combining them both. What's what's something you're you're streaming right now that really keeps your attention? Ooh, um, I just finished the Rocky docuseries Sly. It's on my list. Alone. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Schwarzenegger's was awesome. I love yes, that one. That was yeah, that was cool. I love. Um, I'm watching. Um, Bass Reeves, Lawman on Paramount Plus, which is really good. It's a Taylor Sheridan series. I love all the Taylor Sheridan series. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched Gotti. Get Gotti is a really good docuseries. Um, growing up on Long Island, I knew a lot of people that were um, adjacent to the mob in some gotcha. way, mob adjacent. So it's kind of fun looking back on those eras. No. Any good movie. There's so many good movies. I went and saw um, Scorsese's latest, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. It was, yeah. was awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I consume as much of it as I can because I enjoy the experience, but I'm also looking the, looking at the craft and seeing what I would – what I could apply from what I – That was my next question. I was going to say, yeah. you know, with the different – so many different genres of, of movies and, and, and uh, like when you, so I guess, how do you separate the fan from the filmmaker? Can you watch a movie just as a fan and say, you know, that was a pretty good film or as you're watching, you're going, why they panned that that way? Or that shot shouldn't have been that tight. If he would have just brought it in, a, you know, how, how do you, are, are you able to, to separate the two? No, no. It goes when I'm watching the dolphin game. I look at the cat, you know, the, the way the the, do, the you know the director called it, or the cam op shot it, or why did they go to that? You know that now it's a handheld drone in with a 50 mil lens. The NFL loves that for the celebrations in the in the end zone. I I soak it all up, but I mean my mind works so quick yeah. that I think I'm able to compartmentalize what I'm experiencing as a the craft of a audiovisual content creator. And I could separate that pretty quickly from the fan or the, the content consumer. So it's kind of a parallel thing going on in my mind. And I bet everyone in, in our world does it to some degree, but I just, uh, I just go with it. Yeah. I can't beat myself up over it. There are certain commercials that I listen to, or because I do a lot of narration, when I am watching uh, documentaries that have a narrator, I listen for the breaths because sometimes 
Depending on the production company, they will take breaths out. Some production companies will keep breaths in. And I remember watching this really great documentary, and I can't even remember the the the, uh, the genre of it, but the dude was just, he would get into his, to the read, and then you just hear, and I'm like, why did they keep that in there? And, all of those, yep. Yeah, so um, last question, and I'll let you go. Uh, All-time favorite film? Probably the one that changed my life for whatever reason. I remember it as clear as day. It was Rocky. I was 13 years old, and I was this pencil-thin <laughs> 13-year-old that used to get picked on by every little bully on, in our neighborhood, and I would actually read little pamphlets in like field and stream magazine that showed like the skinny guy on the beach getting sand kicked on him and saying, you know, you try our exercise program and that one. Oh, the old Charles Atlas. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I used to to do like wall sits in my bedroom to try and get my legs bigger. I would do these kind of plyometrics to get my arms and shoulders bigger. But I saw Rocky. And when I came out of that theater, and my dad always had weights in our basement, but I never used them. That just pumped me up <laughs> from 13 on, I swear to God. I was on a mission to change myself athletically and physically. Nice. So Rocky Rocky was it for me for what it did to my life. But so many movies from, gosh, I could, you know, Star Wars was great for me. But I love newer things like, um, what was a big one? Legends of the Fall. Mm-hmm. Wick was amazing. Last of the Mohicans. Um, I love the the Perfect Storm with George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg was an amazing film. Yeah. New stuff. There's there's so many new ones that have impacted me that I can't even. They don't even come to mind anymore. But there was just so many great stories out there. And I before I leave this earth. I have a roster of great stories, I feel. And I'm always a good – I feel I'm a good judge of potential, not only in people, but in in stories. So mm-hmm. I know that if I want to see it, other people will see it. And I have about a dozen um, projects that are on my production slate to take me, you know, well into the next decade that I'm going to work on. And if one of those makes – any kind of impact to help change somebody's life in a positive way, like Rocky did for me, then I'll, I'll be a happy man. Well, I think I can't think of a better way to, to, to end the segment. Um, Bill Horneck, uh, thank you so much, man, for, for doing this and taking some time out with me. Uh, how can folks get in touch with you if they want to shop your wares and, and get your crew out there and get some stuff shot? Um, IMDB, which is imdb.me.billhornick, all one word. And then my website, mindseyecorp.com, M-I-N-D-S, letter I, C-O-R-P.com. You know, kind of get a sense of the stuff that I'm working on. I do do a lot of corporate work still to help pay the bills in between, but I got to that point where I don't have to focus on that. I could focus on my future work and not mm-hmm. what. I need to do every day to pay the bills. So it's a good place to be. And it's taken me a long time to get here, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. That's cool. Uh, I, I, uh, I understand that a hundred percent. 
you know, you, it's cool to always have a, you know, a, a name gig. Hey, I've done this. I've done this. But, you know, in the cracks, we still, you know, you know, people reach out and say, hey, man, I heard you in this video game or, hey, good stuff in Madden. Or, I heard your promo, but then I may have an e-learning job. <laughs> uh, yeah. I may I may have something where I'm just like, today we'll teach you about the proper way to blah, blah, blah. And not as glamorous, but like you said, it, it keeps the bills paid uh, when when the big wigs aren't calling. Um, so it's, it's part of the job, man. It's what we do. And, That's uh, it. and I just got to give you a shout out because it was made me nothing happier than to hear you do an NBA playoff promos and seeing your work on on all of the big video games and i knew you were your prime example of me being able to know that somebody is the real deal even when you weren't i knew you were gonna be so congrats brother thank you man i i appreciate it now you got me all gooey <laughs> i gotta go i gotta go do some hit, hit the rack but uh bill thanks again man um Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of Take Time Out with Trey Mosley and continued success to you, brother. Thanks, Trey. Peace. All right. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Take Time Out with Trey Mosley podcast, part of the Titan Media Network. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. To see the video version of this, you can find us on YouTube on the Take Time Out with Trey Mosley YouTube page. Thanks for listening, or thanks for watching. Either way, we'll see you next time.